بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا محمد حبيب رب العالمين وعلى آله وأصحابه وأتباعه إلى يوم الدين اللهم فقهنا في الدين وعلمنا التأويل وألهمنا رشدنا يا رب العالمين الحمد لله since we're looking at going beyond forms and to really try to connect to the reality of what it means to be a believer, to be a person of religion. As we approach the month of fasting, and we looked at this quality of taqwa and the importance of grounding ourselves as believers in knowledge um, that Imam Yama shared so eloquently. The scholars say, who is a true believer? They said, a true believer is, they said, it's faqihun amila bi'ilmihi fa'awrathahullahu ilma ma lam ya'lam. That a true believer is someone of, who has deepened their religious understanding and who acted upon that understanding. So Allah granted them understanding of what they did not know, which are the meanings and the qualities of faithfulness in the heart. One of the great scholars of Islam is Qadi Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi, who was a great Maliki scholar and a hadith master. And he has commentaries on the Muatta of Malik. He has a commentary on Sunan al-Tirmidhi. He wrote great books in Maliki fiqh. He also wrote a tafsir of the verses of the Qur'an related to legal rulings. He also wrote in Usul al-Fiqh and many other subjects. He has a brilliant work called Siraj al-Talibin, the, the lamp, the, 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 the light-giving lamp for seekers. And he was a student of Imam al-Ghazali. And he didn't always agree with his with his teacher, but was deeply influenced by him. That's a separate story. But in this work, amazing work, he goes through the different qualities of a believer. Because right? a true believer has distinguishing qualities. And quality number 21 is as-sa'im. The believer is the the fasting person because one of the qualities entailed by being a believer is that if you know who what faith is and what it means to submit to Allah it would entail the believer would be one who prays one who fasts because this is an expression of faith so he shares some beautiful insights. So we're going to look at them. And one of the great gems that he shares here, and I'm just relating this to you, he shares 11 lessons from a central hadith of the beloved messenger وسلم, related to fasting. I'm really bad with numbers, so I need a favor. And I know, mashallah, it's almost a given. Several sisters are taking notes. None of the brothers are which is fine, I kind of expect that. But I'll need your help 
to review the, the, the 11 points at the end. So keep track of the numbers. Um, I misunderstood Allah SWT saying, do not say three. I, I can do one and two. Beyond number three, I, I stumble. So Qadi Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi, and the, this is different from the great Andalusian spiritual master who was Muhyiddin ibn Arabi, al-Hatimi. Right? Um, that's different from Qadi Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi, who's al-Ma'afiri. Um, who's, um, so Qadi Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi in Siraj al-Talibin, the light-giving lamp for seekers, says that the 21st name for a believer, for a mu'min, is al-Sa'im, the fasting person. He said, this is a station. Fasting is a station of gratitude for Allah's blessings. It's a station of gratitude for Allah's blessings. Why? Because it is Allah who made it possible for nourishment to come forth from food and drink. Right? Because we just reflect on it. Yeah? You, know, you guys seem to have you know, many hippie touches here in Vancouver. Every place is like avocado sandwiches. Maybe I'm just going to the wrong kind of places. But just, you know, look at an avocado and look at yourself. What's the relationship between avocado and you? Or if you're more of an Indo-Pak person, look at a, look at a, you know, like a cow and look at yourself. You eat that and you're alive. Now, how that comes into you, like the whole process, if you reflect, it's amazing. Like how are you alive through, look at stalks of wheat, you're living through that. Grains of rice, like try chewing the dry rice, right? So all of that, right? Because our very health and the wellness of our body, he says, is a blessing that cannot compare to anything. Because if you, if you can't live, you can't have faith. If you can't live, you can't live guidance. If you can't live, you can't accomplish anything. There's no hereafter in the way things are unless you're able to do something in this worldly life. If you're not alive, how can you pray? Right? It is all a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So fasting is, he says, a means of expressing gratitude to Allah for the means that keep you alive. Your food and drink. And Allah has chosen to make refraining from food and drink and likewise our physical desires. They're means for our human survival, generationally. With the intention of worship, right? out of gratitude, he has chosen to make this one of the greatest acts of devotion. And he says that were the only virtue regarding it, the words of our beloved messenger وسلم, in relating the divine words that fasting is for me, and it is I who reward it. It would be enough for any person of faith. 
Now, he says in the Arabic language, fasting, and this is very noteworthy to keep in mind, that in the Arabic language, fasting, which has the idea of refraining, would apply to not eating and drinking, but fasting also had to do with not speaking. And it's used in that way in the Quran. But the Prophet ﷺ came and explained religious realities. So there's no merit in mere silence. But it is, for, and it's Allah's mercy because we find it difficult to restrain our negative speech. It is from Allah's mercy that silence is not a condition for fasting because we have worldly needs. Imagine if you had to go to work and you put up a sign, I'm fasting. Like, it'd be kind of hard to hold on to your job. I can't answer emails because I'm fasting. Autoresponder. And even negative speech, like backbiting or slander, does not break the fast itself. But it is from the meaning of the, the broader meaning of the fast, which is why the Prophet said, whoever does not keep away from sinful speech, Allah has no need for their fast. Right? So that's something to keep in mind. One of the important things re related to the fast is that restraining your tongue is a key devotional element of a complete, of a proper fast. So, he mentions that the meaning of refraining, that is at the heart of the fast, is of three levels, of, of three types. And Qadi Abu Bakr ibn Arabi was in a situation where many of his contemporaries were very critical of Imam al-Ghazali. So he'll be diplomatic in how he quotes Imam al-Ghazali. Very often he said, some people said, it's Imam Ghazali, but he won't say as much. So, he says, the basic fast, as we know, is not to eat and drink or fulfill one's physical desires during the day. That's the basic fast. But the full reward of the fast, that's the, that's the basic Muslim fast, the, the BMF. At the basic Muslim fast. But the righteous Muslim fast, right? right? Like fasting right is to refrain from everything prohibited. To refrain from everything prohibited. And practically, the key thing I would advise myself and you to, to pay most attention to in Ramadan is our speech. Is our speech. And that's the fast that every believer should aspire to, to keep away from all that is prohibited. And then, you know, there are gradations to keep away from dislike things, from useless things, things without benefit, from wasting time. But those are steps you prioritize. If you're still doing some haram, prioritize getting rid of that. Then prioritize leaving the disliked. Then prioritize things that waste time, etc. 
And the highest fast, and this is something that one should aspire to, that, oh Allah, I want to make a life goal to work towards that, is fasting from, other, from being distracted by other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fasting with complete consciousness of Allah. Why? Because what is the pinnacle of faith? The pinnacle of faith, as we know from the, the hadith of Jibreel alayhi salam, when the angel Gabriel came to the Prophet sallallahu and asked our beloved messenger sallallahu about Islam, Iman, like about faith, about submission. And then he asked, tell me about Ihsan, tell me about the perfection of religion. Tell me about excellence. What is the excellence of faith? To be translated as the perfection of religion, the perfection of faith. What is spiritual excellence? Ihsan is to strive to complete something and perfect it. What is, what is the potential of religion? He said, it is to worship Allah as though you behold Him. That is where we aspire towards. And if you do not yet behold Him, then know that He beholds you. That is... You, know, we, you, you may not be able to get there right yet, but that's what we aspire to. And you're rewarded for your intention. So don't sell yourself short. So he quotes this key hadith on the virtues of fasting. And it's a hadith related by the Prophet ﷺ from his Lord, Mighty and Majestic. It's what's called a hadith Qudsi. It's a divine narration. So these are words... These are divine words related to us by the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So they're, it's, it's, it's revealed, these are meanings revealed to, Allah, to the Prophet by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, but not as Qur'an. And they're not mass transmitted. So it's clearly distinct from the Qur'an. But these are divine words. The, the Messenger, and the, this is related by Imam al-Bukhari, um, in the book of fasting. And we'll read the whole hadith and then he derives 11 lessons from it. So he says, so the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said that Allah Most High says, All, Allah Most High says, all the actions of the child of Adam are for them. Except for the fast. فَإِنَّهُ لِي For it is indeed for me. وَأَنَا أَجْزِي بِهِ And it is I who, who reward for it. يَدَعُ شَهْوَتَهُ وَطَعَامَهُ وَشَرَابَهُ مِنْ أَجْلِي The fasting person leaves their desire and their food and their drink for my sake. And he says, لِصَائِمِ فَرْحَتَانِ The fasting person has two joys. فَرْحَةٌ عِنْدَ إِفْطَارِهِ A joy when they break their fast. وَفَرْحَةٌ عِنْدَ لِقَاءِ رَبِّهِ And a joy when they meet their Lord. And these divine words continue. وَلَخَلُوفُ فَمِ الصَّائِمِ أَطْيَبُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ رِيحِ الْمِسْكِ and truly, the bad smell from the mouth of the one fasting 
is sweeter to Allah than the smell of the best musk. وَالصِّيَامُ Junna And fasting is truly a shield. Fasting is truly a shield, a protection from harm. So this is, this is the hadith. He derives 11 key lessons from it. So the first, he says, the first lesson is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in, in this hadith Qudsi, all the ch- actions of the child of Adam are for them. He says, the ulama have mentioned there's two meanings for this. All the actions of the child of Adam, for the human being, are for them. He said there's two principal meanings. He said one is that in general the actions of the, the human being are for them, meaning that um, that they have a known reward. They have a known reward. A good deed is rewarded tenfold and will, and it will be multiplied in accordance with, it, with its intention. So actions in general have a known extent of reward. The baseline, if it's sincere, is ten ta- tenfold as multiplied to, in accordance with the intention except for fasting, as, he, as he'll explain. That's number one. But the other meaning of all the actions of the child of Adam are for them, meaning that they, the, the, their actions are a quality of the person acting. Right? Why? Because the other things we do of our acts of devotion, they're things that we do. Right? You pray, you, know, you dress up, stand up, face the Qibla, you... You stand, recite, bow, prostrate. You do things. Fasting is different. What do you do when you fast? It's a non-action. So the other actions are things you do. Fasting is different. You don't... There's nothing that you move when you fast. So fasting is unique. The other actions are fi'l, are things you do. The fasting is terk, is leaving, is non-action. That tells you. So the other actions are from the realm of our humanness. In fasting, there is a transcendence to the fast. And he'll tell us why. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not characterized by motion or rest. And fasting partakes of the sacredness and transcendence of that. Imam al-Ghazali refers to it as samadiyya. The servant is experiencing something of what it means to be free of need. But then they realize their innate neediness for Allah because Allah is free of all need. Transcendent. Right? The servant tastes something of that, but then realizes, I am in absolute need of the transcendent one. That's the second meaning of all the actions of the child of Adam are for them. The second, so that's lesson one. All the actions of the child of Adam are for them. There's two meanings for that. The second quality understood from the hadith is, إِلَّا الصوم, Except for the fast. Right? 
And here, meaning number one is that except for the fast, because the fast's reward is known. Right? Right? Sorry. So the fast's reward is not known. Right? The fast's reward is not known. Other actions, they have specific amounts of reward and it's multiplied. But fasting, given its uniqueness from other actions, it doesn't fall under the same scales of actions. It, does, it has reward that is unique to it. It's outside the normal scales. Right? And we'll see some of the reasons why. That's number one. The other meaning, and this is related to the first lesson, the other meaning is except for the fast, because the other actions are qualities of humanness. You stand, you move, you bow, you prostrate, you recite, you do things. But fasting, you are, as it were, acting out human implications of a divine quality. Of being, of being transcendent, being free of need, right? Because the fasting person doesn't do anything. Fasting is to desist from, from human actions, eating, drinking, fulfilling desire, right? And that gives it a specialness, and we'll look further at that. The third aspect of the hadith is... So except for the fast was number two. Number three is فَإِنَّهُ لِي For it is for the it is for me. It is for me. Now this is arguably the richest part of the hadith. Except for the fast, it is for me. فَإِنَّهُ لِي um, He says فِيهِ أَقْوَالِ There's numerous interpretations on this. Some of the one of the great Hanbali scholars said there's at least the minimum number of opinions on what it means that fasting is for me. Allah Most High says is 42. There's 42 major interpretations of this. That's why Ibn Qadi Abu Bakr says, There are numerous interpretations of this. But he says, The essential core, the lubab, the essence, that, you know, they are seven. Okay? So sorry, this is, you could actually diagram this lesson if you're a real nerd. Um, there's seven, what does it mean? Fasting is for me. Right? The first is, fasting is for me, that fasting is taking on a quality of mine, right? which is that sense of being free of need and transcendence. Right? Of course, we do not resemble the divine qualities because Allah is eternally free of need and absolutely transcendent. We just barely make it over the line for a few hours of doing without a few things. But we're still breathing. We're still, we got all kinds of moving parts, right? Um, still going on. That, that's the first meaning. That fasting is for me, that fasting is taking on the two, two of my qualities, as befits the slave. The second is, fasting is for me. This ascription, finnahu li, this ascription is what's called idafatu tashrif. It's an ascription of honor. Right? Like when Allah says that the, 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 Ka the Kaaba is Baytullah, the house of Allah. This is not a, that 
God dwells there, this is an ascription of honor. It's an ascription of honor. That fasting is honored uniquely by me. The third fasting is for me is that no one knows the reality of the fast, of what its benefit is, what its consequence is, what its reward is, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And no one knows its no one knows its reality, consequence, and reward except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fourth interpretation that fasting is for me is that fasting is of, of the things that are in my presence. It's of the characteristics of the angelic company. Right? It is from the qualities of angels. Because right? the human being has is made up of two natures. We, are, we have two natures that come together to make the human being. We have an animal nature, which is our root. We are just animals. Right? And we have an angelic potential. We have an angelic potential. But that's not actuated. You gotta like, put some gas in there, turn on the engine, or charge your electric car. <laughs> Like, you know, and, and get going. Otherwise, you know, a car that's in the garage, it has potential, but it's not getting you anywhere. So it's an angelic quality. Right? It's an angelic quality. Because the angels do not eat. They do not drink. They don't have material needs. And he likes this meaning a lot. Partly because that other, the meaning of its partaking of the divine qualities, so that's a subtle thing people could misunderstand. Anyways, the fifth is, and it's similar to some of the previous ones, is that no one, that I alone know the extent of the reward of the fast. I alone know the extent of the reward of the fast. The, for, the previous definition, I, own, I, I alone know the reality of the fast. So this is a little more specific. Um, interpretation six, fasting is for me is that fasting is for me, right? Is that fasting defeats my enemy, namely the shaitan, right? Like he's on our team, right? Like Real Madrid used to say, well, we got Ronaldo, right? Or whatever, right? Um, so, so, I grew up in Madrid. Allow me to feel sorrow for a few seconds. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun, right? Um, I come from Toronto. Like we have, we have a hockey team, aptly named the Maple Leafs. Because what happens to Maple Leafs when winter comes in? They fall, <laughs> right? We don't have to wait till the playoffs. <laughs> like, you know, the season starts in the winter and the leaves fall when, when winter kicks in, um, right? And of course, our basketball team is called the Raptors and Raptors have been extinct for a long time. 
right? And our baseball team is called the Jays. And if you look at a Jay, it's small, little, weak bird, right? Um, that makes a little bit of noise but can't do much. That's, that's basically Toronto sports summarized, right? So it makes it easy to, to ignore Toronto sports, right? Because nothing's ha what's going on with Toronto sports? Nothing. Right, alhamdulillah. So I don't, I don't follow any of the, of the Toronto teams. So, so fasting is for me meaning that fasting defeats my enemy. Right, so if you want to be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is a key tool that you have right, to, to defeat Allah's enemy. Right? Why? Because the means that the shaitan has to divert the believer from the path of God is their desires. Their desires and their whims. The Prophet ﷺ said, whoever can guarantee that which is between their two jaws and between their two legs, I guarantee for them paradise. Meaning, whoever can control their speech and control their physical desires, the Prophet ﷺ said, I guarantee for them paradise. That's it. But it's simple, but it's, it's a struggle. Right? Fasting is a key tool to control desires. The seventh, and Qadi Abu Bakr doesn't like this a lot, but he said there's some basis to it that it's a subtle meaning. Right? When we do good deeds, but we owe debts to Allah's creation, right? we have, like we've wronged someone, we've hurt someone, we've harmed someone, they take of our good deeds. They claim our good deeds as repayment for debts on the Day of Judgment. And of course, there's no get-out-of-responsibility card. But they say some of the early Muslims said that the fast is unique because no one knows its reward except for Allah. So on the Day of Resurrection, when your actions, the accounting is done for your actions, fasting will always count for you. And it will not, and it will not be taken away from you unlike any other action. Because no one else knows this reward, not even the angels. And he says, he says, he says, and your Lord knows better. <laughs> he says, I don't know. Like meaning that there is something to this, but I can't say for sure, because we don't know what will happen on the day of resurrection. This is not decisively established. But it's a... Um, so that was, fasting is for me. The fourth of the sections of the hadith is and it is I who reward it and it is I who reward it this is the fourth section of the hadith and here meaning that unlike other actions where generally the distribution of reward is granted to the angels right? the angels distribute the rewards both the worldly benefits that we get, but reward is on the day of resurrection and in the hereafter. So people, the angels, take those who go to paradise, they distribute the rewards, etc. They, they fulfill the divine decree, but fasting is rewarded directly by Allah. That's, a, that's an honor. 
There's other things that are rewarded directly by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as you know, if you study about the day of resurrection, but fasting by default is rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the fourth. And I, it is I who reward it. The fifth part of the hadith is when Allah Mosai says, the fasting person leaves their desire for my sake. Right? And this points to, of course, the wisdom of there being desires, of there being a struggle. It doesn't say that fasting removes desire. It doesn't even say, says Qadi Abu Bakr, that, it, that fasting weakens desire. The desire is there. Whatever extent of desire is there, he says, the fasting person leaves their desire. Because the default is, for the human being, that the desire will be there. Why? Because you were created to toil and struggle. Right? Ibn Atta'illah Sakandari said, لَوْلَا مَيَادِينُ النُّفُوسِ لَمَا تَحَقَّقَ سَيْرُ السَّائِرِينَ Were not for the battlegrounds of the lower self, the journey of those seeking Allah would not be accomplished. Right? And were they no struggle, what, what, what would the reason there be, what reason would there be for reward? Right? Which is why some of the early Muslims said, if I could give all that I had to one person that's done good to me in life, I'd give all that I have to my nafs, to my lower self. Out of gratitude, because were it not for it, I would not have reached Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what is the relationship with the nafs? The nafs is your best friend when it is your enemy. Because you are not yourself. Yet by self, they refer to your blameworthy desires and your wayward whims. Right? Your lowly qualities. That's not you. Who are you? What is your identity? Your identity is you are an honored servant of God. You are a human being. You know, it's an honored creature of Allah. That human potential, spiritual, intellectual, social, spiritual, right? Spiritual, rational, social, worldly, the potential for good, that is who you are, potentially. As for your lower self, right? that is, that's not you. It's accompanying you on your journey to Allah, but the diplomacy with it is to bring it under control. Right? If you ride it, it'll take you to Allah. If it rides you, it's going to take you astray. So he leaves his desire for my sake. Right? And this is indicating the need for spiritual struggle. The need for spiritual struggle. The sixth part of the hadith, so that is, the fasting person leaves their desire for my sake. And the sixth is, and their food and their drink. 
and their food and their drink. And here, he says that food and drink is from the desire. But one is it could, you know, the desire could be specifically their sexual desire, but he says no. Desire refers to sexual desire and all other desires. But also that different people are tested in different ways. Different people are tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in different ways. Right? The first, the desire is an inward quality, an inward struggle. The desire for food and drink is a material struggle. And those are two types of spiritual struggle that we have as believers. We have inward things that we struggle with, like our, in, our having the presence of desires, and there's the outward things we struggle with, like food and drink or other material desires. The seventh quality, that they leave, the fasting person leaves their desire, their food and drink, for my sake, min ajli. So the seventh lesson is from this idea of for my sake. Meaning, what does it mean for my sake? Meaning in obedience to my command. Out of sincerity to me. For my sake, meaning responding to my, com- you know, my command and out of sincerity to me. Which points that, what, that the, really, were it not for Allah, what's the point of fasting? There's other ways, if it's just about health, there's many other ways to take care of your health. Try intermittent fasting, right? for example. It's also got health benefits, you don't have to do it in this particular way, but that's not an act of worship. It won't have the spiritual benefits of the fast. Hunger. The human being was created to hunger and to eat. You have to have some hunger in your day-to-day. You have to have hunger in your week. You have to have hunger periodically in your life to, to, to take care of your body. Hunger is as good for the body as food is. And, you know. But for my sake, this is the key that the difference between an act of worship and a mere habit is sincerity, that you do it as an act of submitting to the divine command uh, that I answer the call of my Lord coming to the fast as a servant of Allah out of sincerity, out of gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's for my sake. The eighth quality of the eleventh is the fasting person has two joys. A joy when they break their fast, that's number eight, number nine will be, and a joy when they meet their Lord. So what does it mean that a joy when they break their fast? He said, most of the scholars said, or the generality of the scholars said, a rejoicing when they break their fast refers to the joy at eating. Because after you experience hunger, you do desire food. So now when the food is in front of you, you feel a natural joy at eating. That now you fulfilled the patience that was required of you, and now you rejoice at this blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
So that's one meaning. And he said, and many of the righteous scholars said that the rejoicing at breaking the fast is a rejoicing at completing their act of worship of their Lord in a manner that was sound, a manner that you're hopeful would be acceptable to your Lord, would be pleasing to your Lord. So the rejoicing is not at the food, but a rejoicing at having obeyed your Lord, at doing something that you're hopeful will be a means of closeness to your Lord. And the two meanings are not contradictory, because you can have both. Um, So a, a rejoicing at fulfilling, being able to fulfill your desire for food and drink, and rejoicing at having obeyed your Lord out of gratitude. The ninth is, and a, is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and, and a joy when they meet their Lord, and a joy when they meet their Lord, which is in the hereafter when they behold the magnificent reward of the fast. Right? The magnificent reward of the fast. Because the true reward of the fast is nothing but presence with God. Right? And then the tenth quality of the eleventh is that the, the breath of the fasting person is sweeter with Allah than the smell of musk. Right? Than the smell of good quality musk. And this is because normally we incline towards good smells and we dislike bad smells. And it can be a bit awkward to be fasting and to have bad breath. But not to worry because that bad breath is more dear to Allah because it's a consequence of an act of worship, an act of faith, an act of gratitude, an act of drawing closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the fuqaha say, however, that this in no way indicates the merit of encouraging bad breath in the fast. Right? Because if, the, if how, how much reward you have was connected to the extent of your bad breath, then it would be a sunnah to have garlic and ginger. And what else causes bad breath? Onions, raw onions. All of that right before fasting. Right? Right before you know, starting the fast. And that's not the case. And taking the means to diminish bad breath is not disliked. Right? So if you have like some cardamom, some clover, some honey, you brush your teeth, you have these, you know, they actually help keep your, you know, some aniseed, etc. You know, those kinds of things to, to, you know, to keep your breath good. There's nothing wrong with that. Brushing your teeth throughout the day in the Hanafi school is a sunnah. In the Shafi school, Till the midday, you can uh, use the siwak. Imam Nawawi preferred that using the you know, brushing one's teeth remains a sunnah the whole day you know, from amongst the shafis. That was his choice. Because um, the point is that, you know, that that state of the fasting person is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The 11th quality is and fasting is a shield, a junna. 
right? A, jun- a shield, like a junna, refers to that which protects you in battle from the attacks of your enemy. Right? Fasting is a shield. That fasting, if you embrace fasting, it will protect you from harm. It protects you, one, from physical harm, which is a worldly benefit. It's a worldly benefit. But it will protect you from spiritual harm, from the shaitan, by teaching you how to control your desires. By teaching you how to control your desires. Right? So to make fasting part of our method is one of the lessons of the month of fasting. Right? So as we approach Ramadan, we should also in Ramadan reflect what kind of worship of Allah through fasting do I, do I want to introduce into my life for the rest of the year. And my advice to you would be that at minimum strive to fast three days of each month. Because that would be as if you fasted every single month in full. Right? And that's not difficult to do. Any three days of each month. And if you look, the, the ulama tells many different degrees of fasting, but take that on. Right? Try to fast three days of each month. Right? One day each week, and one week you can slack off. Right? And Allah loves the slacker. Right? But the week that you take off, take it off for the sake of Allah. Right? That this week's off, <laughs> thank you, O Lord. Right? And that gratitude has as much reward as this, the effort. You've got to balance them too. You can't just be a slacker forever. Like there's an adab of slacking, right? Which is slack in moderation, right? Yes? Yes, yeah, so there's many degrees of fasting, right? So if you can fast 13, 14, and 15, that is excellent. If you can fast Mondays and Thursdays, that's excellent. There's many other, but when anything that we want to bring into our lives, right, make the intention of doing what is best. Right? But the way to get there is take small steps. Take small steps. So this, but what do you intend? Like when you start, okay, I want to set a habit of fasting. Right? Many of us say, okay, I'm going to do, like you know, last year you never fasted. Now say, I'm going to fast Mondays and Thursdays and the, you know, the middle days of the lunar calendar. And I'm going to fast every virtuous day. And I'm going to fast on the weekends too. Good luck. You might do it one month, maybe two. And then you won't fast the rest of the year. You know, your friend who you thought was a bit of a slack, I'll fast just three days in the month. A year later, you fasted 10 days. The other person fasted 33 days. Because each month they fasted. Three days. And maybe after doing the three consistently, they could have fasted a couple of other days too on the way because you built a momentum. And that's the sunnah of taking on actions that you take on a little at a time. All right? Take on a little, make it consistent, do it with excellence. And, but then just keep consistent for a while. Once it's become a habit, then increase but resist. The urge of the shaitan to increase a lot. Because what does the shaitan do? Step one. You know, you, there should be a science called shaitanomics. Right? 
or shaitanology. Like, and actually, there's a good book about that by a non-Muslim author called The, Scr the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, which is awesome. It it's letters from the devil to his nephew, who's an apprentice young devil. Right? And it's really wicked, but really get it. Like, the tricks of the devil, right? it's really, really cool. And if you like British humor, John Cleese has a reading of it. And he really brings on the wicked tone of the narrator, who is shaitan. And many of the ulama recommend this, right? Like serious ulama, like Sheikh Noor Keller, and I've heard Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, and Dr. Omar Farooq, Abdullah, and others, that it's, it's wisdom. Um, it's useful. But, so the shaitan, first thing he wants you to do is not to do the good, right? To keep you away, either to not do it or be lazy. There's many tricks of how you don't do something. Right? If you start doing it, they want you to, he wants you not to do it properly. But he can't get you to leave the good fully or partially. Second trick is overdo it. You're doing it, then might as well do it well. Fast every other day. That's the fasting of Dawud alayhi salam. So you overdo it, and you can't sustain it, so you leave it. And both are against the sunnah, right? You have an urge to do the good, commit to it, but take on a small amount. But the adab is when you take on a small amount, you are rewarded for your intention. So you, you say, oh Allah, I want to bring the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ into my life. And you intend to follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ of fasting, so when you're doing just three days of the month, or you can't even do three days of the month, do one day each month. But ask Allah, that oh Allah, this is my first step to follow the sunnah of the Prophet of fasting. What will you be rewarded according to? Fasting one day of the month? No, you'll be rewarded by the, the sincerity of, commit, of your commitment to follow the sunnah. So it'll be written for you as if you are following the sunnah. Take on one day, make it consistent. And you may get the th three days of the month over six months. But getting there slowly, such that you make it a lifelong habit. Sayyidah Aisha describes the actions of the Prophet Sallallahu The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu if he did anything, he'd make it a firm practice. Right? So that is, you know, and the same thing applies to anything. Let's say you've struggled to get up at night. You want to do night worship. Now you read Surah Al-Muzammil, right? Qummi layla illa qalila. From Surah Al-Muzammil. Stand the night in worship, the Prophet says commanded. Except a little. Pray half the night or a little more or a little less. Say, I want to do that. But come 10 o'clock, you're like wilting away. You sleep deeply. You struggle. So you'll say, okay, I'm able to, fa to, to, to do night worship, one, like tahajjud, one night of the week. Right. Saturday night, whatever is happening, I'm going to go to bed slightly early. And you take the arrangements, you do it one night a week to get it going. Two rakahs. If that's all you can do consistently, start with one night a week. But you don't say, that's all, that's all I can do. No, you say, I want to bring the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ of night worship into my life, O Lord. 
This is the first step. And you'll be rewarded by your goal, not by the step you're taking right now, if you're sincere. Right? And for many people, life's challenging. A lot of mothers struggle because it's not easy to do a lot when you have ch young children. Fathers too. You know, like, you got a difficult, you're very physically demanding work, so you're not able to get everything done. What you're able to do, do it with the intention, I want to follow the sunnah of the Prophet I'm in this, and I want to get there with gradual, sustainable steps. And that's a gift from Allah SWT, that, that actions are by their intentions, and each person shall have whatever they intended. And take the slow steps towards it, inshaAllah ta'ala. So these are 11 lessons from by Qadi Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi from his work, Siraj al-Talibin, a light-giving lamp for seekers, on the quality of faith, that is, being a fasting believer. Right? These 11 lessons related to all the actions of the child of Adam are for me, and it is I who reward them. Right? And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us to reflect on these and to magnify our intentions to approach the fast with faith and with gratitude and with a sense of magnification of the amazing nature of the fast, bi'ithnillahi uh, ta'ala. We have time for a couple of questions before we, before we break for dhuhr and, some, and then the snacks, inshallah. Any questions, inshallah? Yeah, so the, the man sama Ramadan, right? Imanan wa ihtisaban. The basic meaning is whoever fasts Ramadan out of faith and seeking the reward sincerely from Allah. So out of faith that they're doing it to answer the command of their Lord as an act of slavehood to Allah. But some of the ulama mentioned a, a beautiful subtle meaning which is that fasting is intended at the beginning of the day, but every moment of the day when you're fasting is, the ibad, is an ongoing ibadah of fasting. And whoever fasts in Ramadan out of faith and out of seeking the reward, all their past sins will be forgiven. That to strive to maintain the meaning of iman, imanan, it's, it's a, that state of iman, like kayf, imanan. Right? So you are fasting. So to the extent that you can have the meaning that you're fasting faithfully. And what is faith? Out of faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And out of seeking its reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they said, what is, the, what is the ongoing expression of iman? It's... To maintain your tongue moist in the remembrance of Allah. Why? Because remembrance of Allah is every dhikr is a statement of iman. We say la ilaha is a statement of faith. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. These are all statements of faith. So you want to maintain the meaning of faithfulness in fasting, 
Stay in remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ihtisaban, seeking the reward from Allah, who seeks something? Say, it is the needy person who seeks. And the key quality of the slave of Allah, who is a slave? They say, Al-Abdu man la yamliku shay'an. The slave is the one who doesn't own anything. Right? Al-Abdu mamlukun li rabbihi. The slave belongs fully to their Lord. The slave is the one who is in absolute need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So, is to, a quality of cultivating that fast is one, faithfully adhere to the Prophet sallallahu counsel, keep your tongue moist with the remembrance of Allah. The hadith in Tirmidhi from Abdullah ibn Busr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And ihtisaban, seeking the reward from Allah, out of with iftiqar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of neediness to Allah. We feel hunger, we feel tiredness. So feel that neediness to Allah. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Fatir, that, Ya ayyuhannas antumul fuqara'u ilallah. That, O oh people, you're the ones in absolute need of Allah. Wallahu huwa al hamid. And Allah, it is He alone who is free of all need, worthy of all praise. So to, to feel that istishar bi. Of absolute neediness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and that's why the, as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Do not leave me to my own self for the blinking of an eye or less than that. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Any other questions? So, so we'll pause here, bin ta'ala, and there's some snacks, so we'll have some snacks, and then um, we'll, we'll, we'll do dhuhr after the snacks, inshallah. Now, that, do, 